Welcome to Salt House, the live recorded podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the timeless teachings of Jesus. I'm Hannah, your host. Each week, we unpack the profound wisdom and insights of Jesus. From parables to sermons, we unearth the treasures hidden within his words, understanding how they can shape our perspectives, choices, and relationships. Just as salt reduces bitterness, enhances flavor, and preserves, these teachings serve as the seasoning for a more meaningful life. Whether you've walked this path for years or are simply curious about the teachings that have inspired generations, we invite you to join us as we embark on this transformative adventure where together we seek to bring out the rich flavor in life through the teachings of Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, the Beatitudes are two, two different things happening at the same time. So uh, first off, there is the level that is applicable to everyone. There is just the human truism, the truth that is applicable to, to pretty much anyone across the board. Um, and then there's that deeper level of truth that is applicable only through the lens of who Jesus is, only through the fact that it's Jesus himself saying this. And the Beatitudes build off of one another. Um, they are, uh, we have described them kind of like um, rings, like the ninja warrior rings, where you run and you jump the first one and you have to hold on to that one to swing to grab the second one, which gives you the momentum to swing to reach the third one, and across and down you go. But you can't skip any of them. If you skip one of them, you drop, right? And so we have looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you are... Um, trying to be the religiously elite, um, you are not putting yourself in a position where you actually want to know God himself. And so you miss the kingdom of heaven because you're not looking for God, you're looking for the kingdom of heaven. And those who are poor in spirit understand the difference and they know that what they need is God, not the kingdom. Then you have um, what we talked about Last week, blessed are um, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And again, um, the deeper meaning of that, talking about, you know, when we, when we grieve over our lostness, when we grieve over the fact that we look at ourselves in the mirror and we have regret and we have pain and there are things that we wish were different, um, and we know that some of those things many of those things are a result of our own actions. Um, we have grief, and there's ultimate comfort in that grief found in Jesus. Um, and so those are the two rings that we can swing from to get to where we are today. So we have recognized the fact that being poor in spirit, we have nothing to offer the Lord. And so we come with open, empty palms, and then we look at those palms and we say, oh man, they're dirty, that's a problem, right? And so we come to the Lord with open, empty palms that are filthy, and he meets us graciously and welcomes us in and gets us clean and sets us up in his kingdom. What an amazing thing. But here we're starting to turn a little bit um, into the next thing. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, so this week actually was the week, I will not say I was dreading it, but I was the most like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Because... The whole point of the Beatitudes, and really the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount, is the fact that Jesus 
is talking about the kingdom of heaven, right? He's talking about the not here kingdom. And so all of a sudden, right here, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, I thought the point was that we're not inheriting the earth. I thought the point was it's not about the earth. It's about the kingdom of heaven. Um, so I got to go down some kind of interesting uh, rabbit trails this week, and the Lord has taken me kind of um, just feeling led by his spirit to read some different things, and it's been really, really cool. So I'm going to take you down some of the rabbit trails that I went on this week. We're going to go together. So uh, buckle up because we're bouncing around a little bit today. Um, but the first thing that we have to understand, um, the, the three key words from this passage are blessed, which we've been talking about, are the meek, Obviously, we need to have a good understanding of that. And then this idea of inheriting the earth. What does that mean? And why would the meek inherit the earth? Okay, so blessed, we've talked about that. Blessed, um, being blessed, there's two kinds of being blessed. Um, blessed in and of its kind of core idea is an alignment. It is getting an alignment with who God is and what he says and as we get into alignment with him, we are able to bless the Lord, oh my soul, because we are agreeing with him that he is God and that we're not. We are able to bless the Lord. But then because as we bless the Lord, as we get into alignment with who he is, then um, it's like it opens up the spigot. It aligns that for the flow of his blessing in our own heart and life. And so then there's like, so we come into alignment and say, Lord, I praise you. I bless you. I worship you. We talked a little bit about that last week. I come into alignment with who you are. And then once we are doing that, then the, the character and the nature and the goodness of God is able to flow into our hearts and lives as well. And so blessing is we can bless the Lord. And then as we bless the Lord by coming into agreement with him, snapping, you know, into alignment with him, calling good what he calls good, calling evil what he calls evil, all of those kinds of things. Like as we get into that alignment, then his goodness is able to flow into our life. And we see that. We see that in these passages. And we see that really, really clearly tonight. And as we go through the Beatitudes, we're going to see that more and more and more. Um, so blessed are the meek. Um, you know, I think I've always heard like meekness is not weakness. I'm like, cool. I know what it is not. Can you please tell me what it is? Um, and I think that probably the most concise way to understand meekness that I have found, um, is to come under authority, but retain your strength and power. Okay. So you're coming under authority. If you are being meek, you are not becoming weak. You are retaining your strength and power, but you are coming under authority. A very clear, simple illustration of this that we would all be somewhat familiar with is a horse. You have a horse that is wild, and it has strength, and it has power, but just to buck and run and kick and flail, right? But then that horse comes under authority of a bit, a bit and bridle, right? 
that horse comes under the authority of a saddle and the rider, and all of a sudden, that horse has not lost his strength or his power, but it, rather it has been harnessed for a purpose that is greater than just itself, right? Now that is a useful animal. Now that is a powerful animal that also can carry a man or woman, right? It is a useful animal that has a purpose and a meaning that is greater than itself, okay? So to become somebody who is meek, we are coming under the authority of someone who is smarter, wiser, more aware of the situation, more able to direct able to use the strength and power that we have for a greater purpose than our own. It is not selfish. Meekness is not selfishness. If that horse does not want to be ridden that day, that horse can misbehave and <laughs> make himself a nuisance. Um, but that's that horse being selfish, right? That horse is... Um, pursuing not the best and, you know, all that it can be, basically. All right, I think you guys get that. So, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So, um, the thing that I really enjoy about this um, beatitude is that the, the two meanings, they started off kind of far apart, like the truism and then the spiritual meaning. But as we go, you're going to find that they start clicking into alignment with each other deeper and deeper and deeper to where they, they begin to meld their two kind of truth. That what is true about the world is even more true when we look at it through the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So, now for the inherit the earth part. Um, so blessed are the meek, in right alignment, and able to receive good things from God, are those who have been willing to take their power and retain the power that they have, but give the authority and the control over to the Lord, for they shall inherit the earth. So, earlier this week, I was like, Lord, I really need to understand this passage. Can you please help me to understand, like, the inherit the earth part? I'm really struggling with this. And um, so I was sitting up in my little prayer nook, and I was talking to the Lord about it. I was just trying to, like, sit quietly in his presence and just, like, listen. And, you know, in my heart and mind, I just kind of felt that impression that you learn to 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 discern as like the voice of the Lord kind of speaking in your heart and mind. And it was just Psalm 46. And I was like, okay. So I open up my Bible and I flip through all the pages and I'm like, Psalm 46, here we go. And I read it and I was like, bless the Lord. Basically like praise, it was actually not even bless the Lord. It was praise the Lord. It's like, praise the Lord, all you peoples. We're going to all praise the Lord because we're praising him. And I'm like, cool, okay. I don't really get how that connects to inheriting the earth. Like, I don't get it. And so I was like, I must be missing something. I'm going to read it again. So I read it like three or four times, and I'm like, okay, I got nothing. Like, usually when I'm reading a passage, there'll be something that, like, piques my 
my interest and I'll start down a rabbit trail of like pursuing that. And I'm like, there's like not much here. I mean, I agree with it. We should all people should praise the Lord and, but I don't get it. So finally, um, I started in my head to do what I do sometimes when I think I hear the Lord say something and then it doesn't immediately make sense instead of like trusting him. I'm like, was it 147, Lord? Did I mishear you? Was it 147 or was it just 47? Because I could check 147. Or I was like, maybe it was 74. Was it 74? Like, I, you know. And, um, and the Lord just sweetly was like, read it again. And I'm like, okay, I have read this multiple times. So I go back and I read it again. And I'm like, okay, let me turn there and I will read it for you. Psalm 47. I was like, I am not connecting with this at all, but here we go. I started off Psalm 47 to the choir master, a Psalm of the sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all you peoples. And then I was like, wait a second. A Psalm of the sons of Korah? Who are these people? This is not David. This is not the choir master. Like, this is kind of obscure. And it was like, it was like I, I, I just wanted to like find out who they were. Commence rabbit trail that kept me up way too late. And by the time I was done, I was like, I get it. The meek will inherit the earth. So, all right, here we go. So here is what we need to know about Korah. So the story of Korah starts way back, boys and girls, way back. We are going back to Numbers chapter 16. Um, you're welcome to go there. You can read it later. We are not going to take the time because it is a multi-chapter story that I vaguely remember from growing up in church, but honestly, pretty fuzzy with most of the details because basically what happens here is the Israelites are being led in the wilderness by Moses and Aaron, okay? Um, Moses is, of course, the one who, like, speaks for God. Um, and Aaron is, like, the high priest who's, like, you know, in charge of the stuff. And so the two of them together are really leading the people. Um, and they have left Egypt. They are in the wilderness. And um, Moses is, like, kind of cousin. That's a little obscure. But this guy named Korah comes to Moses with 250 other people that he has gathered, as well as some other leaders, to complain. And they start off with this very spiritual-sounding complaint. They start off by saying, um, we just don't think that you and Aaron should be able to like speak for God to the people because we believe... In essence, they say all men are created equal and like you being an authority over us, you, they literally say like you have gone too far. That's in the scripture. You can read it. And Moses is like, snap back. No, you have gone too far. Like the Lord put us in authority. He brought us here. And then they come back at Moses again and they're like, listen, you brought us out here away from a land of, you know, they're pining for Egypt. Like we had leeks and onions and all of this, and you brought us out here to die, and you haven't taken us to the land flowing with milk and honey yet. And so we think you're being terrible leaders, and we want to take over because you're not doing a good job. 
And so Moses is frustrated, understandably so. This is not his first instance of dealing with some complaining from the Israelite people. And so he's like, listen, come tomorrow and we'll see what God has to say about it. Like, we'll let God decide. I'm not going to say anything. We're going to let him decide. And so um, they do. And long story short, um, Korah and his buddies, who I might add are all Levites, who serve in the temple of God. Korah's job was to be basically a gatekeeper or a, 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 they called them like basically a post or a pillar keeper in the tabernacle. So their job was to work in the tabernacle, take care of the incense, move things from one place to another when the whole camp got up and moved, and, you know, just work in the temple. So they were not people without authority. This was a whole delegation. So... Um, the next day there's this big showdown and basically Moses says, Lord, if you like, don't want these people to do this, then like, I don't know, let the earth open up and swallow them or something. The Moses literally prays that. And God says, have the people that are not associated with them stand back. And so they're at their tents with their families and, you know, all of their people and Moses said, if you are with them, stand with them. If you're not with them, don't stand with them. And so all these people kind of move back and the earth opens up and swallows them. And it says that you could like, I mean, this is a little graphic. This is probably why we didn't cover it much in like kids class. But like you could hear their cries as they went down into the earth and the earth closed back up after them. Casual. Um, that's fine. But here we are now, Psalm 47. And it says... Um, that this psalm is written by the sons of Korah. Well, what happened? Because his sons just got swallowed up in a hole, except for they didn't. So we find out in Chronicles, in some of the genealogies, that Korah's sons were not consumed. Quick side note here. I don't know what your family like lineage is. I don't know what your generational patterns are. I don't know what the negative things that have come to you from your family are. But you can choose different. You're not locked into that. Sons of Korah are a great example of that. Um, they chose to live differently than their father because they lived. Which means that when it was time to step away... They stepped away from the way that the family had been doing things. Um, and so we know that from a little bit of, um, in Chronicles, and if you want some of the passages, I can, you know, give it to you, or you can just search the sons of Korah and like all of the passages come up. Um, but then the next time we see um, the uh, sons of Korah, well, we see him again in another genealogy in Numbers, and then we see them um, in 1 Samuel. So in 1 Samuel, um, obviously 1 Samuel is about the prophet Samuel, um, but his dad, Elkanah, and his mom, Hannah, they were from the Korahites, which by this point in time, had also been, they like moved to a couple different places and so they were known by a couple different names, but it's the same family lineage. 
which is just really interesting. So here you have Kara, who was not exactly a fantastic example. And then it was like 15 generations later, here comes Samuel, who's of the same, the family that was born out of these sons of Kara. Then um, we see that, um, you know, generation number 15 would be Elkanah and Hannah. Then generation number 16, they had Samuel. So he's there. And then um, about generation number 18, they pop up again as being people who are serving in the tabernacle. And by this point, Samuel has anointed a new king, David, right? And by this point, David is hiding from the old king, Saul, who is, um, you know, out to kill him. And there are these men, these warriors that find David hiding in the caves and they basically say, we're with you and we'll help you. And they become known as David's mighty men. They're these magnificent warriors and like the stories in like Kings and Chronicles of their, what they did is just kind of insane. And they're listed out by name. And the bottom three in this list are Korites. They come from the same family. They're distant relatives of Samuel, or well, like nephews probably of Samuel, maybe great nephews of Samuel, but they come from this family. And then these are now friends that are David's. And there's some debate about when they wrote these Psalms, but these sons of Korah are now writing 11 Psalms in the Bible. And I just sat back and I started to think about this and I was like, blessed are the meek. Korah was not meek. In fact, he was the opposite. He was making a power play to gain control, right? He was trying to orchestrate events First off, trying to sound super spiritual of why this was a great idea and like, you know, trying to make it sound good. But as soon as, pre as, soon as he's pressed for like, you know, Moses basically says, no, you've overstepped. This is not right. Then come all the, then come all the whining. Like then the real truth of the matter is kind of revealed. It's, it's an interesting passage just to see the human condition that has not changed. He comes with this like, you know, I just really think we're all created equal and like there shouldn't really be like a key leader and like you and Aaron just need to like step down and like we should all lead together. And Moses is like, no, <laughs> that's not what God said. That's not what we're going to do. And they're like, well, we've been out here for so long and we're hungry and we're tired and you know, out it all comes because that's human nature, right? But Korah, if, if you read his dialogue with Moses, he wants to be able to speak for God like Moses and Aaron can. He's jealous of that ability. He wants to have the power and the authority to decide where the people will and won't go. And he wants to um, be seen as an authority figure and he's dissatisfied with his role as a, as a tent keeper, as a gatekeeper. And, and the earth opens up and swallows him. Um, which, you know, is pretty clear. But what I find so interesting is here are his sons and grandsons and great-grandsons and whatever. 
they could have at any point along this family history, they could have completely changed their name. But when these guys wrote this psalm, along with 11 others, they chose to put on the title of their song, The Sons of Korah. I think that they were drawing this clear and distinct line because everything that Korah himself wanted, he was pursuing it the wrong way. But everything he wanted, God actually gave his family down the line. He wanted to be able to speak for God. Hello, Samuel, the prophet who literally spends his entire life from the time he was a little boy speaking for God. And he wanted to have power and authority and like be up in the like upper echelon of the leadership of the nation of Israel. And here come these mighty men who through their willingness to die for King David instead become some of his best friends who show up again and again and again in his story and who David at some point hands the pen to and says, you write one. And he, all of the glory and power and authority that Korah had this like hunger for, God ended up turning around and blessing generations later through his family that did it the right way. So if we go back and look at Matthew again, um, we look at blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I think what's really cool about this is like, the cool thing about being meek is you lay down your goal of an inheritance. You give away your power and authority. You, you retain your power, but you give away your authority, right? You allow yourself to come under the authority and control of somebody else for a greater purpose than just yourself. But God's economy is just a little silly because when we do that and we say, okay, Lord, you can have it all. Um, and we open up our palms and we think about trusting the Lord with our futures, trusting the Lord with our dreams, trusting the Lord with all of the things that we desperately want to pull back onto our own laps and we desperately want to control on our own. And we are so afraid that if we give it to him, if we let him take the reins and actually steer us, that it's not going to go well. And there are some lies in there of the enemy who's saying like, oh, last time you let him steer. Whew. And so we think, oh, if I let go, I will not inherit the earth. I won't have the things. Guys, I want so much stuff. Like I think about it and I'm like, do I want to inherit the earth? Yes, I do. You know, like uh, that sounds fantastic. You know, power, authority, wealth, um, you know, acclaim, um, comfort, ease, lack of any kind of negativity or opposition, like all of these things that we want that are in the earth, like anything physical that we want, 
we feel like we have to control the environments. We have to control the people. We have to control, we have to control, we have to control, or we're never going to get where we want to go. And the world is pumping out this message day in and day out that you have to like bring it in, you know, take control of your life, come up with a five-year plan, have action steps, move the ball forward every day, know what, and, and here's Jesus saying, actually, when you come under my authority, you can retain your power, but for a greater purpose. And when you do that, I think Jesus just delights to let us inherit the earth because when we inherit the earth, we aren't really actually that interested in the earth anymore. And then we'll take those things that we receive and we'll just turn them back over into like, oh, Lord, look, I got this thing. Well, how can I use this thing for you too? Because I have it. It's now giving, it's a sense of, you know, this unexpected blessing is a bit of power or strength that you have given me. It, it makes me more financially secure or it makes me more comfortable or it makes me more whatever. And instead of being like, perfect, thank you, you know, and pulling it in, we say like, Lord, I, how do you want to use this? And then he delights to give us power because we're going to continue to give him that power and come under that control. And so we begin to inherit the earth as a result of a blessing of God. We have come into alignment with him and outflows his blessing because we're saying like, I don't want to control all of the things. Um, there is still a post-it note on my cube from five and a half years ago, probably, um, from a conversation that I was having um, that uh, the person that I was talking to said, um, you know, she was frustrated with herself and she said, when I control, I miss the blessings of the Lord. And I was like, give me a pen, you know, and I wrote it down and I still have that post-it note on my cue because it's so true. When I control, I miss the blessings of the Lord. And that is the opposite of what Jesus is saying here. When you are meek, you are able to receive the blessings of the Lord. You are able to give and pour out. And then as you pour out, you end up getting a like it becomes this cycle of goodness and you are becoming a force for good in the world. And when we think about Salt House, like that's the heart, that's the desire, that's the goal is not that we come in and we receive and we say, oh, this is so nice. And we walk out of here all fat and happy, but that we <laughs> receive and we say, Lord, that was good. Thank you for filling me up so that I can pour over into others. Thank you for taking control of the things that seem out of control in my life. Help me to trust you with them. And with my newfound peace, I'm going to share peace with others. And as we do that, ironically, we kind of inherit the earth too. We're so busy storing up treasures in heaven that we look around and we're like, oh, I got another treasure. I guess I'll store that one up in heaven. And then we look around and we're like, well, there's another one. I guess I need to store that one up in heaven. And in the process of, of our meekness, of giving things to God, he gives to us. Um, so blessed are the poor in spirit, those who see that they cannot earn God's favor because they will get the kingdom of heaven. They're primed to be able to receive it. That's the first string that allows you to swing to blessed are those who mourn, who are grieved over 
the state of the world, that are grieved over the state of their own hearts, who are heavy hearted about the world and themselves and the fact that it's not right, because they will be comforted with the truth of who God is and the fact that he has a bigger plan for their lives. And then as they are recovering from their grief and they're beginning to recollect their power <clears throat> and we get stronger and we look at the Lord and we say, Lord, I have this power, but I don't know how to use it right. I don't know what to do with it. I will make bad choices. I want to give it to you. And we become meek. We take our power and we put it under the authority of the Lord, giving him control. And as we do that, we swing from the next bar to the next one because the meek are inheriting the earth. Thank you for joining us at Salt House. We hope these insights spark thought-provoking conversations and deepen your understanding of the timeless wisdom of Jesus. If you found value in today's episodes or have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe to Salt House on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. And remember that just as salt enhances flavor, these teachings can enhance the flavor of your life. Until next time, this is Hannah. Stay salty.